so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. You're listening to the ERLC podcast. What was what was what was What are you laughing at? Is somebody opening a door? <laughs> yeah, I had to get something. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got, I got the giggles. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the ERLC podcast, where each week we're talking about our work at the ERLC and what Christians need to know about things going on in the world. This is a special episode coming to you uh, from quarantine. I'm in my closet in my bedroom and joining me on this podcast are our co-host Lindsay Nicolay. Hello from lockdown. And Brent Leatherwood. Hello again from isolation. Guys, this is going to be such a fun episode to record. Uh, later in the show, we're going to talk to a special guest, Dr. Scott James, who's an infectious disease specialist and also the author of children's books, which is maybe one of the coolest like resumes ever. Uh, but before we get into this week in isolation and all the things going on, Lindsay, tell us what the ERLC has been talking about this week. Okay, well, as you might expect, we have a lot of coronavirus material, but we're also going to throw in some other things to talk about this week. First, I want to start with a piece by Joe Carter from our latest edition of our Light magazine, which you can find on erlc.com backslash light. And this piece is actually appropriate for the coronavirus news because it's called How to Read the News with Discernment. So Joe talks about how to develop biblical discernment and some pieces of advice that he offers um, are guard your mind, consume less news, be aware of fake news, and news is meant to be read and not watched. So it's a helpful piece that will give you some, some food for thought there. Yeah, and that's good advice regardless of whether you're at home and in quarantine or just in normal uh, times. Yeah, I think one of the things that Joe is getting at there is that it is good for people to spend more time with print media than they do watching uh, news on cable TV. You have to remember that for people who are part of this 24-hour cable news network or network TV, their content is driven oftentimes by their ratings. And so sometimes, you know, sadly, it can be just a form of entertainment that is meant to to scare you or make you angry, uh, whereas a much more healthy or well-balanced uh, news consumption pattern is just to to spend time, most of your time, uh, when you're consuming news, doing that in print and digital media that is you know well-reported, researched, and, and more measured. Right. There's a lot of news. There's a lot of outlets out there that want to give you the latest news, and they will send notifications to your phone. They will send you curated material into your inbox. You have to have a time each day where you are purposely stepping away from that So that way you can truly digest what information you have just taken in and know how to process it and explain it to other people, your family, your children, et cetera. That's a good point, Brent. And uh, 
you know, one of his points is consume less news. And that's something uh, to what you were saying as well. That's something that takes a lot of self-discipline in our hyper-connected 24-7 digital age. So, yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be a challenge as we are in this season where most of us are practicing some form of isolation. The temptation is going to be there to just continually turn to our screens and our news sources. That's right. So moving on to reading the news naturally flows into an article by Dane Hayes titled How to Talk to Your Kids About Coronavirus. And so they're probably, if your children are a little older, they're probably seeing the news and hearing about coronavirus. And Dane really focuses on building memories with your children, even now. So memories of family time, serving others, and most importantly, memories of the Lord and his goodness and how you're talking to them about him. So my daughter's too young for that now. She's just one, so she's not going to remember anything. But I'm sure Brent and Josh, y'all are able to do that with your kids right now. I can say I really appreciate uh, articles like this and especially Dane's article because I have a six-year-old son who has all kinds of questions. He could uh, you know, he could tell you whatever you want to know about the coronavirus. We've talked a lot about trusting in the Lord and how to overcome fear. And we've talked about the fact uh, that God in his providence is, is sovereign and in control over all that happens. And so this is, you know, articles like this and Dane's article here uh, are just incredibly helpful uh, for our family. Absolutely. I, I thought this was a great article and we've just been trying to with our children trying to focus on all the good people out there that are trying to do good things uh, to get us through the season and how thankful we are that God has given those types of people the kind of talent they need uh, to help our society get through this. So it's, it's a great read and a great reminder from Dane. So while we are covering coronavirus, we also want to give attention to other issues that are affecting churches and the SBC and our wider culture. So we have a piece up by Melissa Folter titled, What I've Learned from Working with Survivors of Abuse and Trauma, The Power of Story and Community in Healing. So Melissa has her degree in counseling, and she wanted to provide a place where survivors of abuse and trauma could come and talk about that, what they've experienced and tell their story and find a safe community to be able to process that in. And she just gives us uh, as believers, some advice for that as well. So it's a very helpful article, especially if you know someone in your life who has suffered some sort of abuse or trauma. And then finally, we have a another piece that pertains to coronavirus, although it is evergreen, good for once the coronavirus pandemic passes. It's by Jason Thacker with some reading recommendations during the coronavirus shutdown. And he pulled some of our staff to get some recommendations. And he covers categories like children, books for children, Christian living and devotional, current issues, and some others. So I think you'll find something on there that will encourage you to step away from Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus for a little while and pick up a good book. And that's what's happening on ERLC.com. Hey, thanks, Lindy. And that takes us to our culture section for the week. So Brent, why don't you tell us what's going on in the world of culture? And man, I just want to say one more time, good luck, because I know this is going to be, well, here we go. That's right. Here we go. Hey, can we just stop for a minute? A momentous thing happened this week, and I'm sure that neither one of y'all are aware of what happens. As a matter of fact, I'm sure most people don't realize what happened this week. St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day did happen. It's a bit of a cultural moment that most people could not participate in because of social distancing. But here's something that happened to all of us. The first day of spring happened this week. Oh, wow. It doesn't even feel like it at all. 
<laughs> passed us by. What are y'all doing to celebrate? Sitting in your house? <laughs> I'm just hoping I can take my family outside at some point for a walk. Well, hey, with uh, 70 degree temperatures uh, around us for the next few days in Nashville, we got out a little bit yesterday on a walk and we're planning to do that just as soon as we wrap up this podcast. So I want to just remind people that life is is still going on, even if you are trying your best to stay inside, but go ahead and, and get outside. And if you're in a part of the country where spring has truly arrived, try and get out. And even if you're not, you know what, just bundle up and take a walk around your neighborhood if it's feasible. All right. So uh, the world of politics continued ahead this week, uh, particularly on the Democratic side of things. The presidential primary process played out on Tuesday with three states uh, holding their primary, Florida, Arizona, and Illinois. And former Vice President Joe Biden took all three of those states. And as one outlet that we'll link to in the show notes said, it gives him what is an increasingly becoming an insurmountable delegate lead over his uh, his challenger, Senator Bernie Sanders from Vermont. Brent, was this what people were expecting in terms of uh, the outcomes here? It was this week. So a number of the polling heading into uh, last Tuesday showed that Vice President Biden would probably do pretty well, and he, in fact, did just that. Uh, the only somewhat unknown was uh, the state of Ohio was scheduled to have their presidential primary this past Tuesday. They have elected to push that off to later in the spring, and so there are a number of states that are also considering that in, in light of everything else that's going on. One thing that will be interesting to watch the Democratic National Committee does have it within their bylaws as the controlling entity of the uh, primary process on that side. They could, in effect, step in at some point to declare that the nomination is is closed and that uh, Vice President Biden has actually shown that he will uh, collect the delegates that he needs to to be the proverbial and presumptive nominee. So a lot of political analysts are, are just curious and are watching the, the DNC to see if that is, in fact, a, a move that they will take. Elsewhere, there are a number of campaigns for local and state office that are playing out across the country. Uh, a number of outlets have noticed that campaigns have suspended their typical door-to-door campaigning and have now moved to a texting door-to-door campaign to try and uh, make sure voters are aware of their campaigns. One notable exception that we saw in the news was the Senate Majority Leader, uh, Mitch McConnell, Senator Mitch McConnell from Kentucky. He is actually using his door-to-door apparatus to deliver groceries and Chick-fil-A to voters around Kentucky, which I thought was an interesting use of his campaign apparatus. I love this. And that is the quickest way to this voter's heart. I'll tell you that. <laughs> is it the Chick-fil-A or the groceries, Lindsay? Just so we are. are ah, I think it's the Chick-fil-A and whatever magic they put inside of that Chick-fil-A sauce. Man, it's so good. So I miss it right now. Brent, Brent, all of these things are unprecedented. How do you think that they will affect elections in upcoming years? Yeah, so it's hard to say how it would affect them in upcoming years. In the short term, what is likely to happen for those states that have yet to hold any sort of a primary election, they may just delay them into the summer. Um, A, that just buys them some time right now. And obviously, it's somewhat hard to host a primary campaign 
while uh, our nation's leaders are saying to practice social distancing. There is some thought that maybe as we get into the later summer months, the effects of coronavirus and the uh, ability to transmit it may lessen. And so I think that's what some of these state leaders are thinking. Um, as for after this election year, it's, it's really hard uh, to, to be able to forecast something like that. One thing that is being considered, though, that's noteworthy is a number of states already do mail-in balloting. And so I think you probably are going to have officials in various states around the country look to see if that's feasible for their states. It's probably a little too soon to say for sure that that's a, that's a long-term impact, but it's probably something that is now on the radars of various secretaries of state around the country and election officials. All right, so that's your look at politics now into the wider culture. And obviously, it's kind of corona chaos everywhere. Uh, and that's now leading to, as I called it in our show notes, corona quiet across the globe. So this week, we saw France, Spain, and Germany join Italy on lockdown in Europe. And some sources that I was reading this morning are now expecting the United Kingdom, and in particular, the city of London, to join them on sort of a forced quarantine uh, this as soon as this weekend. Brent, and I saw in the news this morning that China, specifically in the city of Wuhan, where this uh, started, that they're starting to come out of quarantine in the last 24 hours. They haven't reported any more cases of coronavirus. So that's some hope for us, for those of us who are just now on lockdown. That's absolutely right. And what was really interesting is is the day before that, uh, China was actually monitoring cases that had come back into the country from outside. So, But it is encouraging to note that at the epicenter of where this all started, it seems like there are zero cases. China is now looking to make sure that over the next two weeks, there are no new cases that are generated from within that particular province. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on. Elsewhere this week, San Francisco uh, perhaps providing a preview of other parts of the country. It's too soon to know, but San Francisco truly went on lockdown there, um, which is, I think, the first major city to take that sort of a, a drastic step. One thing that people have been uh, awaiting is sort of widespread testing. And so it seems like I've noticed around here there are a number of temporary tents that are popping up for more accessible testing that are outside of doctor's offices, emergency rooms, and hospitals. So that's certainly something that's positive. At the same time, though, um, there are a number of state and local governments that have taken on this task, according to the Wall Street Journal, and they've been quickly overwhelmed by citizens who are just wanting to get a quick test to make sure that they don't have it. That has slowed some equipment shortages, and uh, folks are kind of struggling to keep, keep pace with that. Uh, so that's just an interesting development there. It seems like the guidance that's out there right now is basically telling people the, the best things that I've heard are to encourage everyone to act as if you have already contracted the virus in terms of trying not to spread it, but also that you don't need to be tested unless you are presenting signs. The, the, uh, we're just not at a place uh, nationally where we have these kind of preventative testing measures where if you're not showing any symptoms, uh, that it's a good idea. So I think that, you know, from everything I understand, like right now, uh, they're encouraging people to only, you know, only pursue actually getting a test if you actually are symptomatic. That's correct. And, and my understanding is, is that most people, uh, they're actually just going to tell them, hey, just go home 
and uh, wait this out. Let the process play out because for most people who contract this, you're going to, to be okay. They are most worried about the elderly and they're most worried about people with underlying conditions. Those are the folks that they are prioritizing both testing and treatment for at this time. Right. And I saw a report that it's too early to tell as well, but there was a report circulating about the potential of malaria medicine helping in fighting this virus and people who have been infected with it. Of course, we don't know. We have to wait and see. But as you were mentioning the testing and we need to be sure as Christians to continually pray for those who are developing the tests, administering the tests, pray for a vaccine and pray for medicine that will help those who are most susceptible to detrimental symptoms and effects of this virus that we would pray that the Lord would um, provide some relief there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great word. And here's the deal. Not not everything is is dire right now. As a matter of fact, some really positive news, I think, hit the wires because a number of people are being affected by this professionally. There are some big companies out there that are looking to hire at this moment. So just three right off the top of my head uh, that I saw this week were Amazon, Kroger, and Walmart. All of them are looking to hire a number of new workers, either for their fulfillment centers or to uh, go and clean stores or to drive trucks even, because we've got to make sure that the supply chain uh, keeps going in this moment. That's great news, Brent, because I personally know a few people who have lost their jobs as a result of this and who are now applying for some of these new positions. Yeah, we had uh, someone stop by our house earlier today who's a friend uh, that is somebody who's very close to us. And, you know, unfortunately, her and her husband both have found out that they're they're not actually being laid off, but they're being furloughed from their jobs. And those are just the people closest to us that we know about. We know that there are going to be, you know, th- this is not the end of the bad economic news, unfortunately. And so it's encouraging to hear uh, that companies like this are both in need of the jobs and, and stepping up to try to uh, create work for people who are being displaced from their jobs right now. Exactly. My wife this morning, she had to go and pick up a prescription for herself. And she just happened to stop by our local coffee store uh, to grab uh, some coffee for both of us. And she was the only person the entire time there waiting for her order to be fulfilled. And the lady behind the counter said that their business is down 85%. And this coffee store takes uh, online orders. So you literally can just run in, pick it up and get out without having to interact with anyone. And she just came home and was like, man, what a what a sad time that 85% is down. And this person behind the register said, more than likely, we're, we're going to have to close for a season because we just can't sustain this. Wow. It's incredible. It is. Uh, and also, hey, so I saw this. I thought this was really neat because it kind of reminded me of how the, the private market uh, rallied and industry rallied in World War II, both Ford and General Motors, uh, two of our leading automotive manufacturers here in the United States, have been in talks with the government uh, to change their assembly lines into making medical equipment, especially ventilators, to help combat uh, coronavirus. I just, I just thought that was neat, and it shows that uh, even to this day, when uh, called upon, our industries can really come together and, and do something positive uh, when we need it. 
I think that's exactly the kind of uh, spirit and good news that people need right now is to see uh, this is not a, like we talked about last week, this is not a partisan thing. This is a people thing. It's affecting all of us nationally across the country. And so, you know, if ever there was a time uh, in our lifetimes for us to band together as, as Americans and as people uh, to, you know, do the most good, this is, this is that time. And so stuff like that is just super encouraging to me right now. Absolutely. And so um, our federal government this week is is really making some big moves. Our representatives in Congress working in tandem with the administration have been ironing out details on legislative packages. So the reason they're doing that, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, we'll drop some link into the show notes because honestly, you're going to hear enough uh, dire news out there. But needless to say, economic projections right now do not look good. And so because of that, the federal government has passed several packages already. They've actually already done phase one. This week, it looks like they're about to finalize phase two of an economic package. Uh, it passed the Senate on Wednesday. I think it should be on the president's desk soon uh, for his signature. And now they are in the latter stages of what's called phase three. So phase three is a deal. It's a big one. It would pump an additional $1 trillion into the American economy. There's going to be folks, I mean, I've been looking at it as somebody who's been in politics as a fiscal conservative, and there's going to be a number of folks that have, have questions. Um, I think the, the takeaway, though, is that our leaders are responding in a time of need, and certainly that's something to be appreciative of because one of the main laments over the past decade has been Washington has not been working and not been responsive. Yeah, anybody who's seeing that uh, the word bailout right now or hearing that tossed around, uh, our minds are instantly going back to 2008 and 2009 and the financial crisis and remembering that all of the, the bailout talk that happened then. But even that, I mean, this $1 trillion is just a huge number and it surpasses, if I'm, if I'm right, Brent, it surpasses uh, anything that was on the table about you know a decade ago. Yeah. So one, one metric just for measuring uh, a part of this. So after... 9-11, where uh, the airline industry came to a grinding halt, there was a bailout package for the airline industry that totaled about $15 billion, with about five of that going directly to various airlines that were affected by that stoppage. This newest package looks like it's going to be $60 billion. So just imagine that for multiple industries, uh, that are feeling the effects of this shutdown in society. And that's how you get to about that $1 trillion price tag. Wow. Well, where does that money come from? It may se- seem like a silly question. So that's a, that's a great question, Lindsay. So right now, uh, the American government has about $23 trillion in debt. This is going to be new deficit spending, more than likely. Ultimately, the People that will be on the hook for this will be all of us as taxpayers. And there will probably be questions asked once we are way past this moment about how we get that debt back under control. But ultimately, it is the American taxpayer uh, who is responsible for that. Uh, One thing that was noteworthy in response to this moment that we're in is that Comcast, NBC, Universal a movie making company has decided that a number of their new releases that were scheduled to be released in movie theaters are now going to go directly to our homes. Uh, That's really interesting because this is something that a number of movie industry analysts have been predicting for years. And 
this moment is actually causing that. This is going to be an interesting experiment within uh, that industry. But this is something that's really exciting to me. I am an AMCA list member, which means for about $20 a month, I pay so that I can see up to three movies a week, which I've never actually hit the three movies in a week mark. But I'm excited that some of these uh, movies will be coming out and people will be able to enjoy them. I think that, you know, the $20 rental price tag is going to throw a lot of people. But at least, you know, in this time where we are isolated and a lot of us are spending a lot of time inside, uh, this gives you, you know, this one more thing to do uh, to try to, you know, stay sane and to enjoy some of this time. That's right. So the very first movie that was scheduled to be in your local movie theater that is now coming directly to your home, I'm sure you've been anticipating this, Lindsay, is Trolls World Tour, the animated film. <laughs> I love I know Trolls. you you were you I was gonna say you were a fan of the original. I was. And I already went ahead and bought the movie so that when my daughter's old enough, we can watch it together and learn the songs. There it is. You can't stop the feeling, Brent. No, you, you can't. Last week we <laughs> mentioned we we mentioned that the Southeastern Conference, uh, home of great college sports, was continuing ahead with its spring football practice schedule. That actually, just about after we got off the air uh, and stopped recording, all of their spring sports, including their spring football, was canceled. So uh, even even coronavirus was able to take down the SEC in this moment. Y'all, y'all got nothing there. Nothing. We're just silence for the morning. Okay. I just I, I wasn't sure if it's the delay or if it's just you're just being silent. <laughs> and uh, finally, on the lighter side this week, something went uh, viral online. Uh, a number of penguins were taking a field trip around the Shed Aquarium in Chicago. Well, later in the week, a dinosaur, not not a real dinosaur, but a uh, a hilarious T Rex costume was found going around Chicago's Field Museum. And I don't know about you, I love any video with one of those T-Rex costumes where the head is just bouncing around. And so the penguins were visiting different exhibits, and similarly, the person dressed as a Tyrannosaurus Rex was visiting different exhibits. And I thought it was hilarious. I think that's awesome. I um I haven't seen the video of the penguins. When you first said field trip, I didn't even know what you were talking about. Uh, but literally, they just took them around uh, the aquarium or museum and let them, or I guess it was an aquarium, and let them see, you know, different exhibits. Exactly. So uh, a number of different uh, museums and uh, places that people visit because they're kind of closed temporarily for this season, they're allowing these kind of virtual tours. Well, what better virtual tour guide than either a penguin or a person dressed as a T-Rex? Y'all, I am watching this video now, and it's two penguins walking around, and it looks like you two walking around our office on a daily basis. I, I generally wear a tuxedo at the URLC office. You're correct. <laughs> right. It's not because you're wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and Josh, hilarious. you... you Josh, you actually do waddle. So, I mean, it, it yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Lindsay and Josh, that's your look at this week in culture.
So now we're about to talk to you, Scott James. Scott is an elder at the church at Brook Hills. He and his wife have four children. He is a doctor. He's actually an infectious disease uh, doctor, and he's the author of multiple family devotionals and children's book, including a book that released this week in the midst of kind of this crazy week that we're having called Where is Wisdom? So you can find uh, a link to that in the show notes. We really want to encourage you to, uh, you know, to purchase that and use it at home with your families. But let's talk to Scott now. So Scott, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing uh, serving the Lord, both in ministry and professionally right now. Right now, ministry is uh, pretty uh, pretty busy. Uh, I I'm, think I'm, 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 the Lord has me kind of functioning in, a, in several different ways. First and foremost, I'm ministering in my own home. Uh, my, kind of, my primary task in ministry is um, being married to my wife, Jamie, and, and us raising four kids right now. Uh, uh, so a lot of my ministry efforts and focus are, are geared there. Um, I also serve as a pastor at our local church, the church at Brook Hills. So I'm, I'm one of the pastors there and uh, have a, a joyful ministry serving along some really faithful people there uh, who are members of that congregation. Um, I also do see my job as a ministry of sorts. So I'm a pediatric infectious diseases specialist. So basically that just means uh, I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm, I'm a doctor at a kind of a, a academic medical institution. And so I have components of clinical care and research and uh, education, advocacy, things of that nature. Um, and I, I truly do see that as uh, one of the avenues through which the, the Lord has uh, called me to work. So my work is, you know, dealing in infectious diseases and, and is not explicitly Christian in that sense, but uh, my motivations internally certainly are. And so the, the activities that I'm engaged in at work and the way that I try to care for patients and the way that I try to connect with families, uh, I, I do clearly see as a, a spiritual component to that. So that's that's part of my ministry as well. Scott, in this strange season that we find ourselves in, I'm sure that your ministry at home and at church and at work has ramped up. Um, and so if you could even boil it down to one thing, what is one thing God is teaching you in this season of life and ministry? At various phases of my life in ministry, I have uh, labored under the false impression that I was in control, that I had some measure of uh, control of what was going on. Uh, and I know, theologically, I never thought that that was the case, but I do function on a day-to-day -day basis as if things are uh, kind of trucking along and, and my my five and 10-year plans are, uh, you know, un unfolding as I would want them to. Uh, and, and so this season of ministry right now, especially with the global pandemic that's happening and the way that that's affecting everything around us, but affecting my work and my ministry uh, at church, that is taken any notion whatsoever of me being in control uh, and quickly quickly pointed my eyes upward to God. Uh, so I've, I find myself, rather than in any way being comfortable and complacent, I find myself daily understanding how desperately I need God uh, to give me wisdom, to, to, to get me through any anything in my life, let alone uh, major medical crises. Scott, you you mentioned the global pandemic, and, and obviously that's that's just kind of inundating everything with culture around us right now. So, given your expertise and and given where we are today, what advice do you have for Christians and and others who who might be um, concerned, anxious, or even afraid of of what is next? And what are the what are a few things that that we should keep in mind in the midst of this? COVID-19 outbreak? The the anxieties are, are flowing freely in the world around us, aren't they? Uh, mm. I 
I, I think my, my advice to myself and to other Christians who uh, are, uh, I think, appropriately fearful of what's going on or, or at least anxious over what we're seeing uh, is to not let that fear be in the driver's seat, uh, to not let fear of the unknown or not let anxiety over the real troubles that are around us be something that uh, becomes a, a, a primary driver or motivator in our lives. So we want to keep uh, the uncertainties and the trials and tribulations that we're going through, I want to keep them in my prop, in a proper perspective. And so I'm encouraging myself, my family, my friends, my church to make sure that we're keeping our focus on God, that we're looking to him for the answers that we're, um, we're trusting in him. And we're, you know, as the, as the word says, casting our anxieties, casting our cares upon him and trusting that he is going to take care of us in, in his good and perfect way. And to be frank, I, I don't, have a firm grasp on what that good and perfect way is right now. I don't know the details of exactly how he's going to unfold these next several weeks and months of, of our lives as we walk through this. I don't have those answers. I can't read the future, uh, but I do trust that God is in control still. He is still seated on his throne. And, and then on a practical level, just in the way that God's working in your heart, I would encourage you to look through scripture and see all the places where God calls us to be a part of a body, calls us to be a part of something larger than ourselves. Uh, the Bible talks, Old Testament and New, about love of neighbor. The Bible talks about, in the New Testament in particular, how uh, we're a community of Christ, we're members of the household of God, that we uh, owe something to one another, that we're not Lone Ranger Christians, that uh, this life is not intended to be spent uh, looking out for number one. Um, and so, when fear and panic and anxieties become the, the the cultural milieu that we're walking through, a lot of people, our first tendency is to look inward and to focus on me and what I need and making sure I get what I need and can take care of myself. Uh, and so there's you just start to see these, I don't know, avenues of uh, self-centered behavior that come out. Uh, and you'll see it in a lot of different ways. Some of the hoarding, like unnecessary hoarding that by nature is limiting what other resources people can have. Like I, I feel like that's probably a counterproductive move to uh, act in a way that is going to hurt your entire community. Um, uh, I think of when we're talking about these practices that are being recommended about social distancing and quarantine type measures to, to, that are good public health measures to try to limit the virus. And I hear people walking around saying like, ah, I don't care. Like if I get it, I'll probably be okay. And I, I mean, I do care for that person. I don't want them to get it, but also, I'm also really concerned that they don't spread it. And so uh, when, when I think of people who selfishly uh, go against uh, wise advice from, from public health officials, uh, I, that concerns me, especially when I see it from believers. I, like, I, don't, I don't think, I'll call it self-centered behavior. I just don't think that sort of behavior represents Christ well. And so we as the church are in a position to lead the way on how to uh, love our neighbors well and how to uh, benefit those who are around us. And I, and I think when we abandon that call uh, and just concern ourselves with um, my own personal health and, and don't particularly care about how I'm affecting other people, I don't think that represents Jesus in the way that he uh, would have us act. Thank you so much for those reminders, Scott. We need them. And you couldn't have planned this, but of course it was the Lord's sovereignty. But in the midst of all of this, fear and when we're tempted to be controlled by anything but God's spirit. And we're, when we're tempted to look more to the news than to his word, you have a children's book that just released. 
and it's titled, Where is Wisdom? A Treasure Hunt Through God's Wondrous World. So can you tell us a little bit about this much needed book and why you decided to write it? Yeah, that timing is pretty weird. I got to admit, God is yeah. uh, <laughs> God is up to something with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally uh, in its inception and, and planning and carrying out, completely unrelated to everything we've already said. And yet as it lands at a time in which in kind of an unprecedented way, at least in modern history, families are uh, quarantined at home together, spending lots of quality time together, looking for things to, to do. Um, yeah. So, Hey, here's a children's book that you might consider reading together. Um, so where is wisdom? Uh, it, essentially it, it came out of me being completely, uh, entranced by Job 28 and the imagery and the message of that chapter. So in the midst of Job, in the midst of this big, uh, quite, um, complicated book that is 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 uh, kind of daunting it's very difficult to a lot of people are you know rightfully i don't know uh, find it hard to get into job because it is such a difficult book and it is in a lot of ways but in the middle of all of this uh, there's this poem there's this hymn to wisdom that job uh pins and uh, it's it's sort of like he's had these rounds and rounds of conversations with his friends um, and in the, in, after going through that, he kind of takes an aside and he, and he dives into this poem in Job chapter 28. And he's not, at first glance, it kind of seems like he's trying to change the subject and sort of avoid the conversations, the difficult conversations that they're having about life and the hardships that he's going through. But I think if you get to the end of Job 28, you actually see that what he's doing is in the midst of the hardships and in the midst of a lack of understanding of what's happening around him, he's pointing to God's sovereignty and he's pointing to God saying, I, I may not completely understand uh, all that's going on in this world, but I know that I know that God is in control, and that uh, in the end, uh, my my life is intended to be in alignment with Him, and I'm supposed to uh, be in a right relationship with Him, recognizing Him for who He is, and obeying Him because He's my King. So the imagery is is kind of amazing treasure hunt through God's uh, wondrous world. So the the chapter kind of is highlighting and outlining all these endeavors that men and women are going through to, to dig deep and mine uh, and find the treasures, the literal treasures that this world has to offer, the gold and silver and gems, uh, but then ultimately not finding satisfaction in them. And, and essentially midway through that chapter, uh, the, the, the speaker kind of looks up and shrugs and is like, is this all there is? Uh, and Job's answer is, no, true wisdom is found in the fear of the Lord. And he ends the chapter by kind of highlighting God's sovereign control over all things and, and kind of saying, look to him, trust in him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I wrote it for my kids uh, and I'm really, really happy to see that it kind of found its way outside of my home and uh, hopefully into some other homes. And I do hope it's a, a blessing during these uncertain times. Hmm. Scott, I, I like the phrase that you use there, a life in alignment with him. And, and that's something that uh, all of us hopefully are are chasing after and striving to do. So we, we've heard, in a sense, you know, how your life, the skills and gifts God has, has given you, how you are using those to, to serve others. Um, so let's just delve for just a brief moment into why. A lot of people might be content to leave stuff like that, serving others to others. Um, but what motivates you to approach life and work as an opportunity to advance the kingdom? It, I'd like to, I don't know, have like a five point plan as to, uh, you know, how I analyze and evaluate these sorts of things and have implemented these practices in my life. It, I don't have any of that, honestly. I, I can't even say that it's a well thought out thing. I really do feel like it's simple overflow of 
where God has captured my heart. Um, so first and foremost, I, lo- I love God and I want to glorify him and worship him forever because of what he's done in my life, because of the undeserving grace that he has poured out into my life, because I, I know how undeserving I am of his love. Uh, and yet the fact that he loved me so much that Jesus died for my sin and rose again in victory, like that captures my heart and my mind and my imagination, and it captures my hands and my feet also. And so, uh, that grace working itself out in my life through the power of the spirit on a daily basis, uh, without, honestly, a, a lot of uh, forethought or intentionality, it just kind of naturally affects everything that I do. Um, and I, I'm so thankful for that. I'm not perfect in that in any way. There's lots of areas where I do need to give some more insight and intentionality to. Uh, but uh, just kind of at baseline, anything that my hands find to do, I want to do it with excellence for the Lord. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, so if I'm ca- taking care of patients or if I'm uh, in my research laboratory or if I'm writing a children's book or uh, sitting with someone um, who's leading a small group in our church, all of these things, serving people in these ways uh, have to, for me, they just first and foremost flow out of my love for God and the fact that he, he saved me. So I love him. And then because I love him naturally inclined by the power of his spirit to love other people. Uh, so it just, it, it's going to flow out naturally. Gosh, Scott, Dr. James, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Everything that you just said uh, was so encouraging to me. I know it's going to encourage a lot of people who are listening to the podcast uh, because it is just wrapped around the gospel about the fact that God in Christ has shown this incredible love to us. And so uh, thank you for being willing to let that love kind of just show through uh, your life as you kind of give that life back to him. And we are hopeful that you know many people will check out the book and experience uh, the, the joy of kind of walking through this with their family. So we love what you share about how this was kind of birthed out of even it's tied to the local church and, and hearing it first as a sermon and then you know, crafting that idea over time. But we just want to say thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm really thankful for the work that y'all do. This episode of the ERLC podcast is sponsored by The Good Book Company, publisher of Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With by Sam Alberry, the latest from the best-selling Oxford Apologetics series. Christians are increasingly seen as outdated, restrictive, and judgmental when it comes to sex before marriage, cohabitation, and homosexuality. Sam Alberry sets out God's good design for the expression of human sexuality. This book is ideal for giving away to people who see this as one of the biggest barriers for considering Christianity. Find out more about Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With at thegoodbook.com. So guys, during this uh, season of isolation, we've not really been able to have conversations in the lunchroom. They've really turned into digital conversations that I guess we could call the chat room, uh, like Lindsay suggested a few weeks ago. But still, uh, I want to hear what's on your minds this week. And so Brent, why don't you tell us uh, what it is that you've been thinking about? Well, if we were gathered around the lunch table this week, I would have been telling all of y'all about the movie A Hidden Life. So uh, my wife and I, we rented that this week and got to watch it. It is, it's a three-hour film, so you would have to devote quite a bit of time in your evening to watch it. But thankfully, a lot of us have time. Um, and it depicts, it's a film that depicts the life of Franz Jägerstatter, an Austrian farmer who is a devout Catholic who refused to fight for the Nazis in World War II. And it is just, it is a, it's a, exquisitely shot film with all of these landscapes from around Austria and Germany. 
And not to mention, I think it just uh, really resets for you what the Christian conviction of courage is all about. I, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. That seems like something I'll definitely make time to watch. Uh, Lindsay, what's on your mind this week? Okay, so I actually have two things, one serious and then one just fun. So a lot of places have been making things available for free during this quarantine time. And Ligonier Ministries has R.C. Sproul's teaching on the holiness of God available. So I've heard good things about it. And I want to be sure to check that out. And so I wanted to recommend it to our listeners as well. And then I don't remember who this was in our various Slack channels at work, but somebody pointed out this old tri-prints site that has developed some prints in honor of coronavirus. And so some examples, one says, be the fix, stay at six, and then in parentheses, feet. So stay six feet away. Um, Home is where the health is instead of where the heart is. And the better you cover, the quicker it's over. So those are just some fun little prints to bring some levity into our lives these days. Those were really cool. And I've seen several people uh, either just posting the photos of these prints or, you know, planning to purchase them or whatever. And so Ultra makes just the coolest stuff. So we have a link there for you to check out in the show notes. You should go and just uh, take a look at some of this stuff. Speaking of things that you should look at, uh, I've got two this week, but the first one is just something that is just so funny. It's not new uh, this week. I actually saw it a couple weeks ago, but I had been meaning to bring it up. And and here it is. So it's it says, like the headline says, I illustrated national parks in America based on their worst review and I hope they will make you laugh. And so there's 16 pictures here. One of my favorite things is like celebrities uh, reading mean tweets about themselves. This is a lot like that, but about national parks. So I'll just read like three of them for you. So the first one is from Sequoia National Park and literally, and I'm going to try to do this without laughing. It says there are bugs and they will bite you on your face. Uh, The next one or number seven was uh, Seguro uh, National Park, which says just okay if you like cactus. And then uh, number 14 was Death Valley National Park, which just said, uh, ugliest place I've ever seen. And so anyway, uh, none of us are in a place right now where we can travel to these other places. National parks uh, are a thing. Like, I love to visit a lot of our different national parks in America. But uh, you can go and read these, you know, just worst review things and they're illustrated and the pictures are cool and it'll just be a fun thing for you to do while you're while you're sitting on your couch. The second thing I want to tell you about is a thing that's brand new uh, this week. It comes from... Our friends at the Biblical Recorder, uh, it's called BR Connect. And so a lot of you probably don't even know what we would talk, what we mean if we say a Baptist state newspaper. Uh, but there are, you know, in many different states, uh, Baptist state papers that cover a lot of uh, a new news that intersects with religion and particularly religion and Baptist life. And so over the last few decades, we've seen a number of those close as uh, as the demand for uh, that kind of print journalism has kind of waned over over time. But uh, our friends at the Biblical Recorder uh, and Seth Brown is the executive editor there. He uh, he and his team do a, an amazing job of covering a just a panorama of, of news that people who are Christians would care about. And so I just wanted to commend that to you. It's for $3 a month. Basically what you can do is get daily updates from them. You get real-time alerts uh, sent to your phone if that's something you want to opt into, but it's it's a revenue generating thing for them that also helps get, get better information into people's hands because in this age of social media, there's so much misinformation. And a lot of times uh, in evangelicalism or in Baptist life or just, just within the church, that kind of bad information tends to cause a a lot of drama and a lot of problems. And so this is one way that the Biblical Recorder is stepping up to try to uh, to help get better information in people's hands. 
Josh, I love those illustrated national parks worst reviews. And I just had to share one that cracks me up too. Yosemite National Park says trees block view and there are too many gray rocks. (laughs) 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 Oh, let me share another one. Grand Canyon National Park, a hole, a very, very large hole. <laughs> I almost shared that one too. Uh, they're like they really are worth checking out. So I encourage you to do that. Also, if you have funny things like that or you see news on the lighter side, uh, feel free to send that to us. You can just email us at info at erlc.com and uh, we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to, you know, take your recommendations. If for no other reason, then we like to laugh. And so, you know, you're welcome to send that to us anytime. But that is our uh, lunchroom chat room uh, section for this week. Lindsay, tell us what's in the mailbag. Okay, so this week, Josh, we have a question uh, that's pretty appropriate for this time of isolation. How worried should I be about extra screen time for my kids while we are spending more time indoors during isolation? Grant, you want to take that one? That's a great question from our listener. And it's certainly something that as a father of three that uh, I've been concerned about. But the reality is we, we probably in this really... Um, unique moment that we're all living through. It's probably not something that should be at the top of our mind. Obviously, yes. Get your kids outside. Obviously, engage with them uh, as a parent. But if there are certain times where you find yourself either because maybe you are working from home or B, uh, you are having to uh, talk to someone um, who might be dealing with something, it's okay to to let them uh, watch something. And hopefully, maybe it's even something educational uh, to where you can focus on uh, something else for for the moment. That that would be my advice. Yeah, I just want to take some pressure off of some parents and just say, you know, some of the most helpful parenting advice I've ever been given is that there are times when the priority is survive and advance. And we're in one of those times right now. Obviously, whenever you have the the energy and the strength uh, and the ability to like optimize this, to try to like take advantage of this time for extra reading or extra activities with your kids, all of those things are great. But my encouragement to you would be that if you're in that kind of season or that just time where you just don't have the energy or you notice that, that you're letting, you're being a little lax on screen time or other things, uh, like that, that, you know, don't, don't punish yourself. Don't beat yourself up about that. Like I would say, just take all of the grace, uh, during a season like this. Yeah, that's good advice, guys. I think each family are going to find themselves in different situations, making different decisions. Maybe each day will be different too. Trying to work from home, Mm, be productive. They said, get ready for work. They said, I, it's not realistic when your kids are, uh, not going to school, Um, but this does give me an opportunity to tell our listeners that next week we will have an article coming out by Eric Parks, who is a video producer, and he uh, gives us 10 movie suggestions to watch during this time of social distancing, and they're movies that have uh, lessons along with them, so you can watch them with your children, or you can watch them with your older kids, or even just with your spouse, and talk to one another about how you can look at them from a Christian worldview. That's really good, Lindsay. And so we want to encourage people to check out that movie list when it comes out next week. And we just want to say thanks for listening. Uh, We are navigating the situation just like you are and taking everything day by day. Uh, But it has been fun to kind of bring you into our conversations about what we're talking about as we go through this kind of unique period uh, in our lives and in history. And so for Brent, Lindsay, and myself, we just want to say thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back next week with more content.